You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. We're going to be talking about not only honoring our fathers, but also celebrating the holiday that is summer today, guys. Did you realize today is the first day of summer? It's, it's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, it's raining out there. But like days on the lake days in the mountains, camping. Well, it might be too hot at this point to camp, but the beach, there's so many wonderful things about summer. We leave spring behind us and we move into a fresh summer season. Question. I just listed off mine. What are some things that come to mind for you when you think of summer? Yell them out. What? Sweat. 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 Correct. Especially here in North Carolina. Yard work. What was squash? Are we, I was just talking to your wife about your squash. <laughs> squash. Anything else? Fireflies. Fireflies. We caught one yesterday. It was awesome. Watermelon. Watermelon. I love watermelon. Anybody else like you put salt on watermelon? Anyone do that? No. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> Anything else? Coke floats on the porch. I love that. My mom was a teacher growing up, which meant she worked really hard during the school year, obviously. But then in the summer, we played really hard together. Um, and so I just remember traveling all over the place with her, going to camps. She was always like the camp mom at camp. And um, my favorite thing to do with her, so I guess this would probably be, I don't know, happens throughout. But my grandpa had a garden. And so we would like harvest um, the green beans and she would can them. So we'd sit around um, like in the shade and we'd break green beans and put them in cans to uh, can them. And we'd just talk about God the whole time. That was my discipleship growing up. I was spending time with my mom and my grandpa doing that. Well, with a season change comes a change in how we live our life during that season because we sweat more. Um, summer comes with the anticipation of hotter weather, enjoying longer days, better moods, vacation travel, new experience, and making fond family memories. So question, what about the other seasons? What do you think and what do you anticipate when we move from summer into fall to winter into spring? What are some other anticipations you think about? Your birthday. When's your birthday? October, that's a great time. And it's the leaves are changing around that time. Anything else? I've learned, if you guys know the story, if you don't, ask me later, not to go on the mountains in like November time. It gets dangerous for me. Um, <laughs> uh, and then also change of clothes, right? You have to bundle up a bit more. Not as much as you would in Minnesota, but you have to still here. Uh, we, you know, each season brings its own challenges and its own joys. Every new season is a catalyst that causes us to experience life differently than we did the season before. This is my last question. Can you identify one thing that is consistent in all the seasons? Change. Change. That's consistent in all of it. Every season partners with change. So science tells us, a.k.a. NASA.gov told me this, that Earth's tilted axis is, axis, axis is what causes the seasons. Throughout the year, different parts of Earth receive the sun's most direct rays. So it just, it tilts 
And that part receives it. So when the North Pole tilts toward the sun, it's the summer in the Northern Hemisphere. And then opposite, when the South Pole tilts towards the sun, it's winter in the Northern Hemisphere. And so that's how seasons happen. But we know that this is a divine intention. God, the creator of the universe, has purposely orchestrated the changes. He set the changes in motion just as God has divinely and purposely orchestrated changing the season of earth and atmosphere. He has divinely and purposely orchestrated personal changes of seasons throughout our lives. And scripture affirms this. In Ecclesiastes 3, it says, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the sun. And then in Daniel 2.20, it says, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever to whom we belong and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. God is the orchestrator of changes in seasons. And the same way we anticipate different ways of life as the earth's natural seasons change, we should anticipate new ways of life as our personal seasons change. So we anticipate it. Okay, I lied. I have more questions. Um, what are some changes in seasons that a human may encounter in their own personal life? So we're moving away from the fall and the winter stuff to your own season. Empty nest. Empty nest that's a good one. Anybody retire recently? Retirement? Aging. Aging. Going from single to dating to married hopefully one day <laughs> moving what did you say back there don no you didn't say anything okay sorry you moved your hands i thought it was words oh yeah uh one city to another Maybe you're going through a dry season when it comes to uh, your relationship with God, a waiting season, a hard season. Maybe you're working through some spiritual warfare, a happy season. Um, Maybe you went from being married to divorced, or maybe you went from divorced to being married, married to widow or widower changing jobs, going from becoming a teen to an adult. There are so many different variations of a season, and it can be defined in so many different ways. And I have no doubt that we have all discovered that life is a journey of a series of changes. We might have little control on the circumstances of the change itself, but we do have control on how we respond to it. And I want to encourage you guys. This is something that God has been teaching me the last few months, um, I have now going no I, I have experienced some season shifts in my life recently and uh, I've had an internal language shift. As I've gotten older, I've realized that I have put a lot of pressure on myself to figure it out, to be really good at the things and be confident that I know what I'm doing all the time. And I think all of us can agree that none of us know what we're doing. We're just all making up as we go. And so what I've decided to do when I get into these new seasons is I'm not going to say that I'm Kate who needs to have it figured out because I've always figured out, you know, and I forget that there's like that transitional period. So I tell myself I'm a rookie at this because for me, what rookie means is it's okay that I make mistakes 
and that I can learn from those mistakes because a rookie is always learning. I actually picked up this idea from a book. It's called Rookie Smarts, tiny little plug. Global Leadership Summit is coming up in August. You guys all should go. It's wonderful. But uh, the author of the book came a few years ago. And I picked up the book from there. And it, the book is, the premise is, is for seasoned leaders to learn something from rookies. And that you don't have to know everything to be really good at your job. And I just, I love the idea. So as we are processing this together today, friends, I want to encourage you, whatever that new season is that you might be coming into today or that you've been in for a few days or that you're coming into soon, that you come into it with this rookie mindset, that it's okay if you make mistakes and it's okay that you don't know what you're doing because you can figure it out and you'll learn from everything you do anyways. So now what I would like you guys to do, if you have your paper, if you're taking notes, if not, maybe make a mental note, write down which area of your life do you find yourself a rookie in today? Or is there an, uh, are you anticipating a season change soon? You know, one that I feel like is big right now is summertime, especially after 2020, our calendars are filling. That's a season change. We went from doing nothing to doing, I mean, if you're like me, went from doing nothing to doing everything. And so with that, you are having to make an adjustment physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, on how to add in all of that again back to what you've already created for yourself here. That's a season change. So even if it's that one, we are going to look at four new opportunities as a rookie in each new season. And I would like us us to think through those with that season that you wrote down in mind. I will be using moments in the gospel to help apply uh, these truths to each point. So the first one is a new season creates the opportunity to trade an old way of life for a new way of life, which is in essence discipleship, right? It's this idea that when we come to know Christ, he gives us the ability to put off our old self and put on our new self. We are a new creation in him. And the ability that each time that we find ourselves in a place of growth, that he gives us the ability to grow in it and to become more like him. This also looks like setting out with new habits. So I've lived here, it was on June 1st was my five-year anniversary and uh, one thing I've discovered is I've tended to move a lot. I've lived in five different places in the five years I've been here. And one thing I discovered in that is that each new place I move is a new opportunity for me to develop a new habit. So one of the places I moved to, I decided that I was going to be a bed maker. A bed maker? Is that right term? That feels weird. Um, made my bed every day. <laughs> and uh, so... Um, my roommate thought it was just part of who I was. And I was like, yeah, it is. No, it wasn't. I, I started doing that when I moved in. Um, another time, I started uh, developing like a morning routine where I got up at the same time every day and I did the same things every morning before I went to work. And that roommate thought that was normal and it wasn't. And then recently, I've decided I'm an exerciser. So I exercise every day and my roommate's like, you are so committed. I'm like, I wasn't this way last year. You know, but I've just discovered that moving is a good opportunity for me to get better habits in my life. 
And there's other ways that I'm not so great, but that's one of the ways that the Lord's really helped me out the last few years. Well, when Matthew, uh, when Jesus called Matthew, the tax collector, to be a disciple in Matthew, Matthew had an opportunity to trade out his old way of life for a new way of life. Um, as you guys probably know, tax collectors weren't great people in the Bible. During that time, Romans were ruling. And so what the Romans would do is they would pick a person from that town to be the tax collector. And so then that person would get all of the money. And typically what would happen is they would skim off the top. And so tax collectors were known for being deceitful, liars, and manipulators. He was most likely known to his countrymen as a traitor who sold out his own people to Roman occupation and rule. But you know, he traded his life of deceit for a life of truth. In each new change of season, we have the opportunity to exchange the lies of the enemy for the truth of what God's word says about us. People knew Matthew to be this way, but he said, nah, that's not who I am anymore because I have a new identity in Christ. And that's what can happen with us is that those lies that we've believed, maybe because it was spoken over us from childhood, maybe it's because it's things that we've told ourselves or other people have told us, circumstances have told us about ourselves that we're too afraid to speak up when it matters. We can't do that really hard thing. We're not good at that thing. Whatever it is that you've started believing this lie about yourself, we now, because of Christ, can exchange that for truth. You see, Matthew was a son of God. And because of his sonship, he was invited to have a seat at the table with Jesus. Not for what he did, but for who he was. So the enemy tells us that we're not worth it, but Jesus tells us we are. And this is an opportunity to replace deceit with truth. And, and then um, not only do we have an opportunity when we're putting off our old self and taking on the new self, the deceit and truth is the opportunity to change our work mindset to a ministry mindset. So the last few months, I think, we've been talking about the kingdom of God and how we have an opportunity to bring the kingdom of God to earth and to help others to see that. Well, in the same way that we have that opportunity there, when we come into a new season, we have an opportunity to take the idea of working to get the thing done to how can I do this thing to bring glory to God and further the kingdom of God. When Jesus called Peter, Andrew, James, and John in Matthew chapter four to leave their boats and their nets, they chose to enter into a new season. They traded their work mindset of being fishers to a ministry mindset of being fishers of men. So not only do our seasons create the opportunity to trade an old way of life for a new way of life, but our second point is a new season provides the opportunity to see through a Jesus perspective. So <clears throat> raise your hand if you wear glasses or contacts. Same. So one of the things is my eyes are still changing. I blame it on technology. Um, so every time I go to the doctor, they have to renew my prescription. And um, 
I love it because what happens is, is I feel like, you know, your, your vision starts to slowly shift and you don't really notice it. But then when you put on the new glasses, you're like, whoa, the world is so much clearer. I think that's what happens when we shift from our own perspective to a perspective on Jesus. Um, one of the favorite thing the kids do today, like millennials and Gen Z, um, is to put filters on pictures. You guys seen those? I was actually playing with one um, the other day. I took this really pretty picture of, um, it was at uh, McAfee Knob in Virginia, and it was like a foggy hike. It was wonderful, and it was just so green and beautiful, and I took the picture, and the picture didn't turn out well, so then I applied a filter, and I was like, that's actually what it looked like, <laughs> you know, uh, but you, you can take uh, something that looks a little drab, and you can give it some life, and um, I think that's what happens when we put on our Jesus filter. In Luke 19, we learn about a guy named Zacchaeus. My kid's pastor heart wants me to sing you the song, but I'll refrain. But Zacchaeus literally changed his perspective so that he could see Jesus. And how did he do that, friends? He climbed a sycamore tree. Yeah. So the short guy couldn't see over the crowd. So he climbed up to get a better view of Jesus. You see, experiencing this Jesus perspective requires a willingness to rise above the crowd. Zacchaeus did it because of his stature did not allow him to see Jesus, which I totally get. You know what I mean? I also have that issue sometimes. But he did something I would not be able to do, and that was climb a tree to see him. But you see, the crowd would also, the crowd would not have accepted him into their midst because he was also a tax collector. You know, I can imagine, uh, it doesn't say this in the Bible, so this is my imagination. The crowd is gathered around Jesus listening to him talk. And short little Zacchaeus is trying to look around sure he felt uncomfortable to push through because be like, you don't deserve to be here. You're a traitor to our people. Well, if you guys remember what happened is that Zacchaeus was then uh, called out, uh, singled out by Jesus. And he was out offered an opportunity of repentance and an opportunity to follow him. So the question is, what does the crowd say about you? What does the crowd say about Christians? How is their deafening war deafening you from the perspective that Jesus wants to give you? What factors in your life are stopping you from seeing Jesus' perspective? I think a low-hanging fruit. I was just talking to one of... um, the nursery workers, uh, Carolina, and we were talking about how terrible Facebook is. Um, but both of us kind of agreed the reason it's terrible is because people have so many opinions and they're so hateful on it. It's just, what do you do with all of that? <clears throat> you know, how do we soften that noise? How do we soften the crowd's noise to heighten what Christ says? The crowd does not have the truth God is wanting us to see. The crowd's beliefs are birthed out of a self-defense mechanism of group think. And what I mean by that is the crowd is seeing how terrible things are and they either want to go, it's terrible, the world is going to blow up or let's pretend like nothing exists and they're swinging pendulum to either side. And it's because 
they don't have Christ at the center. Christ isn't there to give them hope. When we have our perspective of Jesus, it shows us that even if life is hard and things are going wrong or whatever it is, we still have hope. That's what his perspective brings us, is always hope to the situation. Zacchaeus rose above the crowd to see Jesus. And once Jesus saw him, he called him down because he saw parts of Zacchaeus that the crowd missed. He saw Zacchaeus as a son of God. And Zacchaeus was then able to repent and find restoration for his sins that he committed as a tax collector. And if you remember, Zacchaeus is like, you know, like, I'll pay all the money back and anyone that I hurt, I'll give them more. Embracing a Jesus perspective leads of life leads to a repentance and restoration. The story of Zacchaeus is a beautiful picture of what the gospel does for us at the point of salvation and continually throughout our lives when we take a moment to gain a Jesus perspective. It leads us to repentance and restoration. Not only for ourselves, but also for the situations and the people around us. A Jesus perspective brings a dose of reality and hope for the restoration of mankind. Knowing that God is continually working in situations, when this is the case, the self-defense mechanisms of the groupthink is no longer needed. So I had this really pretty picture that didn't show up, so I couldn't use it, but I'm going to explain it to you. How many of you have been to DuPont State Park? Yeah, so at DuPont, you should go. It's really awesome. It's not a hard hike. Well, some of them aren't hard. So there's three different waterfalls. There's Hooker Falls, Triple Falls, and High Falls. So High Falls is, as its name says, it's very tall waterfall. Like you are like, I'm really bad at distance, so I won't try to explain how far away. But like you're pretty far away still, and you can feel the spray of the waterfall because it's coming down so quickly. And it's, it's massive. Like, I'm sure if you tried to walk under it, it would hurt a bit just because of how big it is. And I've been to a lot of waterfalls, and this one's one of the biggest I've seen. I remember the first time going to it, just being amazed at how wonderful it is and just amazed at God's power that is displayed through it. Well, one thing that you wouldn't know about the waterfall, unless you know things about waterfalls, is how calm it seems up top. So um, I walked to the bottom of it, splashed around in the water. It was really awesome. And then I climbed up um, on a trail uh, to the top of the waterfall, and there's like this covered bridge that like goes over it. And so then you can stand on the covered bridge, and the water looks completely still. And you wouldn't realize if you just saw that, thought on the other side is this massive waterfall. And the thing is, is a lot of times we're standing at the top of the waterfall, not realizing what's on the other side. When we put on our glasses to see the world a bit better and a bit clearer, like Jesus' glasses, you can see both sides of the waterfall now. And that's what Jesus does for us. Not only do we do new seasons create the opportunity to trade an old way of life for a new way of life, it, and an opportunity to see the life through a Jesus perspective, but it also is new seasons open the opportunity to live in freedom from the bondage of the past. Now, if you know my story, you know that this one's close to my heart. If you know the details, you know that I lived 
and bondage of a cyclical sin for years. For me, the season of change that helped me most is when I realized I needed help outside of myself and I found counseling. And you know what? That's my story. My story is about bondage that I put on myself and we could go into all the details about how my, my family, my origin family like helped with that and all those things, but it doesn't matter because I would have found freedom in that. But your story might be a bit different, but you might also be sitting here today with some type of bondage on your life. The question is what parts of your story have you lived that the enemy took the opportunity to develop in you a lie that you're still believing because that's what bondage is is still believing that lie. Friends, as someone who has lived in bondage, who has seen the way that it's kept a hold on my friends and my family, I want to encourage you to take the season change, that moment when you're a rookie, to break that bondage. Jesus tells us that if the Son set you free, then you are free indeed. And that happened at the cross. He set us free. So what bondage does Jesus want to free you from? In Luke 13, Jesus is out teaching and he finds a woman who has been crippled for 18 years. Her bondage was a physical sort, not necessarily caused by anything other than her circumstances. Uh, But Jesus said to her, woman, you are set free from your infirmity. He set her free and she was immediately able to stand up. When Jesus says you're free, you're free. With Jesus, we can experience freedom to walk in an upright manner. What I imagine when I think of that is for this woman, it was physical, right? But is this idea that you don't have to walk in the shame of your past. You don't have to walk in the shame of your bondage because he is saying you are a child of God and you can walk as straight as you want. Someone who is experiencing the freedom to walk upright is also free of condemnation and shame, which also makes me think of the woman who's caught in adultery in John chapter 8. They were ready to stone her, and Jesus was ready to forgive her. After an epic mic drop from Jesus, where, you know, he's riding on the crowd, riding on the sand, we have no idea what he's saying. Uh, You know, the, the crowd who was condemning her left, and Jesus said to the woman, then if they're not here anymore, then neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. This is what freedom gives. And it's leaving our lives of sin to do more. So um, I found myself recently kind of alluded to it in three new seasons in my life. I've identified them. And um, these are all in different areas of my life. And I've figured out that I'm a rookie in them. I I don't know what I'm doing. I'm figuring it out as I go. I'm okay if I make mistakes. But for me, I was uh, actually talking to somebody the other day about this. And I said to them, I want to take this slowly because I've learned a lot in my life so far about how to be a healthy human that when I go into these new seasons, I want to walk sure-footed so the bondage of my past won't sneak up on me today. And so, friends, I just want to encourage you the same thing that um, in each new season, the enemy is going to use different things to try to keep you in bondage, but walk sure-footed in who you are because we are all children of God and he's all given us that freedom. So my last point for the day is this. A new season provides opportunities for the kingdom of God to grow. 
So our final point draws from another familiar story of the woman at the well in uh, John chapter 4. See, the, the woman goes to the well, and Jesus is sitting there, and um, he asks her for water, and she's like, and then he like ends up telling her a whole life story, and then she's like, whoa, and then she goes back into town, and she tells everybody, and they're like, what do you mean? And then they all come out to see him. Well, as a result of this encounter, the woman entered a new season of believing. She was now a kingdom citizen, and she went back home and told her people about her encounter with Jesus. In John chapter 4, 39, we're told, many Samaritans believed because of her testimony. You know, we've been talking about this kingdom of God mindset for a while now. And the thing is, is when we have that mindset, we want to tell other people our story of how God has been faithful. We plant seeds as we tell our story of personal transformation. So I just want to encourage you, be open about your story. Be open about where you are. Because, you know, I said earlier, we, none of us probably know what we're doing. Be open about that. <laughs> because that will help other people relate to you too. And uh, we can also watch as others hear our story grow in their desire to know Jesus. So in the story... She tells what happened to her. The people come out and beg Jesus to stay for two days so that they can also hear from him. And after those two days with Jesus, they believed for themselves that they knew what Jesus was saying. Um, when I was a teenager, I was a young teen, probably younger than I should have been to do this, um, but my cousin showed me how to ride on a motorcycle. Do I have any motorcycle riders in the room? No? One? Okay. So um, one thing, I had to call my brother to make sure I explained this right. Um, one thing that he taught me while ri riding the motorcycles, because I was obviously the passenger, is he said to help the person driving the motorcycle out, lean into the turn. Lean into the curve, which feels like you shouldn't do that because you're going to fall. Like actually your body wants to lean away from it. But it's not helpful to the person driving. That's actually hurtful to them. Like, they have to be a good driver to counterbalance that and make the turn. Well, I, I soon discovered how to do it, and I can do it pretty well now. I've, uh, it's, motorcycle riding is a big part of my family. So I've had a lot of chances to get it right. And the question is that I have for you all, when we're talking about seasons changing and um, helping people grow closer to God, helping yourself grow closer to God, having this kingdom mindset is, are you one to lean into the change or lean away from it? Because it's that mindset that's going to change everything for you. You know, um, God has big, big plans for each of us. But to be able to fully realize what those plans are, we're going to have to lean in to the change. So let's be a rookie and take the opportunity to lean in. If you guys could stand. I'm not Sam, so I'm not going to give a benediction. He'll be back in July. <laughs> Next week, Pastor Farrell, our senior pastor of the church, is coming to speak, so he's awesome. I won't be here. I'm at camp. Uh, but I just want to encourage you with this last 
passage of scripture from Isaiah. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do, not, do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. God's doing new things in us today, friends, and in these seasons that we're in. And he wants us to walk forward in them with courage and excitement for what he's doing. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful that you are here with us today. And that, God, we have an opportunity to lean in to the changes that are coming about in our lives. I pray, God, that you will do a new work in us. And that, God, we will have the courage to see it through to the end. I'm so grateful for all that you do and for every person here and for all the dads in the room, God. I pray that you will give them a special type of blessing today, God, and that they'll eat good food. I love you so much. In Jesus' name I pray. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.